Hello and thank you for downloading or streaming this podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. This is the July edition of In Conversation With. My name is Gabrielle Janzio and I'm here with Andy Carter. Hi Gabrielle, every month we chat to the leader of the council, Councillor Steve Siddons or another member of the cabinet to find out more about what we're doing across the borough and an update on our activity. Welcome again, Steve. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Steve. This podcast is also your chance to ask questions of our political leaders. So if there's a burning issue or query you have, you can send it to us via email. The address is podcasts at scarborough.gov.uk. You can also visit the podcast page on our website, scarborough.gov.uk forward slash podcasts. Let's start, Steve, if we can, this month with your reflections on Armed Forces Day. Those who were involved in the event have now spent several days lying in their darkened room listening to whale music, probably yourself included. What was your recollection of that amazing event back in June? It was a fantastic day. Uh, I I know the work that was done to bring everything together, both from our own teams at Scarborough Council and the Royal Navy, who were the lead forces organisation dealing with it. It was amazing. We couldn't have wished for better weather. Um, It was almost as though we'd booked it. The crowds, I've never seen as many people on the seafront uh, we walked down uh, Sandside in the afternoon and you could barely move. It was like coming out of a Premiership football ground. It was great for for me because I got the opportunity to meet some interesting people uh, and hopefully others did as well. And um, the whole thing just was a real credit to the borough. Uh, I think that everybody really felt that We'd done such a, a good job of organising it, it and uh, and that created an atmosphere which was really pleasant, really friendly. Um, so many people here enjoying themselves and uh, I wish we could replicate it on a regular basis. What do you hope the legacy will be of Armed Forces Day national event for us as a borough? I think um, on a number of different levels. Firstly, it shows that we really punch above our weight uh, here in in this borough. Uh, We are able to organise events such as this, which frankly are are huge. Uh, And I've been to one or two other National Armed Forces Day around the country. uh, And I have to say, they weren't quite as good as, as we did. Very, very professional. And, and we've got to thank our staff and uh, the police and other other services for for organising that. But um, but also it puts Scarborough, particularly Scarborough, but the borough as a whole, on the map. And um, you know whether it's uh, a, a big event such as um, the Welcome to Yorkshire uh, cycle race or or something like Armed Forces Day, you get the television coverage, which means that people who maybe don't know of Scarborough very well see it in a particularly good light especially as the weather was good um, and think we'll come there we'll try it we'll come for the weekend we'll come for the day and and it helps to put us on the map so I think those kind of events whilst they take a lot of organizing and um, for many many months 
I, I think that they're well worth it and, uh, and they really do benefit both the residents, visitors and businesses here. Of course, you were on the um, top podium with the VVIPs. What what was it like schmoozing with royalty and and people with so many kind of medals for their various um, awards in conflict that they had to have extension boards? I I felt very underdressed, you know, not having any medals (laughs) because I've I've not been in the forces. Uh, But I think that um, the Duke of Kent was uh, a, a very nice, approachable chap. He's getting quite elderly now, so... I think there was a worry that uh, he didn't spend too much time wandering around talking to people, but I got the chance to have a chat with him for for probably a minute, a minute and a half. He, he was very, very amiable, um, as, as you would expect, I suppose. He's very professional at that. And, uh, and he, he did the room. He walked around the room and he spoke to people and uh, made people feel uh, important, that he was interested in listening to, to them. So it, it was a really, really nice thing to do. I, I must admit, uh, prior to that, I, I'm not sure I was bothered one way or another about meeting a royal. Um, it's not something I've ever thought about before. But uh, it, was, it was quite special, really, and it was something that uh, I, I will remember. But I suppose the other opportunity that I will really remember is on the Sunday, um, a number of us were given the opportunity to go out to HMS Westminster, uh, which was, I was going to say parked in the bay, it was moored in the bay. Uh, it, uh, that was a, an experience which I will probably remember forever. Um, there's very little opportunity for, unless you're actually in the forces, to do something like that. And um, we were taken out there on a launch and, uh, and then got onto the, the ship uh, the, the crew on the ship were fantastic. And I, and I have to say that over the whole weekend, um, the crew of, uh, of both that ship and the other two ships, the other forces people that I met, everyone is incredibly polite, incredibly interested in, in what everyone's doing. Uh, it was a real pleasure to, to speak to people um, you know, sometimes when you're politicians, you get people who are not very nice to you, um, make lots of uh, ridiculous comments and uh, accusations. But to actually spend some time with people who um, who seemed genuinely interested in what you're doing and uh, and a, a really really polite people, it, it was really quite nice to see that. I wish we had had more of that generally, really. Mm, so bet. it was. It was a, a really special day on the Sunday. I'm surprised they didn't let you uh, sp- take it for a spin round the bay, or you know, did you get behind the controls or anything? Or did they you, keep you away from that? You, we went into um, the bridge, and uh, I must get all my terminology right, mustn't I? You're doing very uh, well so far, Steve. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> we went onto the bridge, and um, and we were shown how how the things work. We were taken down into what what surprised me was that the actual ship is steered and driven I'm, I'm using wrong terminology here i know uh, i'll get a call from the royal navy in a minute um it's all operated from down in the bowels of the ship so although there is someone on on the bridge watching where they're going all the controlling's done from deep down within the ship and a, a small team of people i think the other thing that was interesting was that 
the average age of the crew on the ship was 23. And, uh, and when you look at some of the people, even the captain was in his 30s, uh, and you think about the responsibility they have, not just to come and bring it into Scarborough Bay, but to actually go out and, and be on, on call and on, on service um, in probably some quite difficult situations from time to time. It was quite interesting to see that. I bet, yeah. Imagine that leadership um, responsibility to someone in their in their thirties. Mind you, having said that, we have a chief executive of our own who's very young. Annoyingly so. He is. Um, but yes. it does show that you can be young relatively and still have amazing leadership skills and expertise to be in that position. Uh, before we move on, I should say we are recording this on the morning of the, potentially the hottest day of the year. Uh, the, the seagull noise that you can hear in the background, listener, is not piped in. It's actually real because we have the windows open in our podcast room for the sake of us all melting. That, that's why that noise exists. So, Steve, we're coming up to where well, we're just about to um, finish the extension of our selective licensing scheme in Scarborough, um, which is going into an area in um, Weaponess and Ramshill. So if you'd like to tell us a bit more about where we are with that um, and when we can start to see that come into play. The selective licensing scheme, I have to say, has been a huge success for us. Uh, it started off in two areas of town, um, to the north side and the centre of town. And, and the, the scheme, for those people who don't know about it, is that all landlords who, who rent property um, have to join the scheme, uh, which they have to register for. They, may, they pay a small fee for it, and, and in return... They, they, get, um, they, they get approval to actually rent their property out. And we monitor it, we make sure that it's up to a reasonable standard, the fire precautions are in place, so the tenants who, who live in the property can be assured that they're living in something that is, is up to standard. The schemes worked really, really well, and, uh, and, and the landlords that we've worked with have been really supportive generally, of the scheme, um, and have seen the benefits of it. And it's been so successful that we have now decided to increase the area of coverage to cover, as you say, Ramsell and Weaponess, which is my ward. We've got, particularly in Ramshill, less so in Weaponess, but particularly in Ramshill, there is a lot of uh, flats, a lot of uh, multiple occupancy type buildings, and the quality of them does vary. And, and we do have some problem areas in, in parts of Ramsill particularly. And the, bringing the scheme in uh, will help to regularise those buildings and, and actually hopefully make a difference, not just to the people who live in them, but the people who live around them. Because many people complain about the fact that noise, antisocial behaviour and so on. In fact, I, ha I had one uh, just over the weekend that, um, that there was a group of people in a, in a building that was causing problems. And, you know, you have a lot of sympathy for, for residents who, who are trying to get on with their lives. They've created a nice home for themselves. And then a group of people move in who are maybe not necessarily... Uh, the most sociably friendly people and the people with problems, drug-related problems, alcohol-related problems and other things. And, and we need to put a whole range of services in to try and support that. So I, I welcome the scheme. I think it, it's really been beneficial 
uh, and has, has been a bit of a pathfinder for other areas who have also taken it up. I think one thing I'd like to add to that is that, um, as, as people will know, we've, we're having more and more properties rented out to the holiday sector and the Airbnb uh, coverage of this area is quite significant and particularly in some of the smaller places like Robin Hood's Bay and, and even Whitby. Uh, and there's recently been uh, a, a lot of press coverage of, of Whitby residents wanting some kind of scheme to try and help them there. Um, so I would like to see uh, an extension of that scheme to, to make licensing of Airbnb type properties mandatory. But that requires government to legislate on that. That's not something we can do. But wherever I get the opportunity, I'm raising that with, uh, with ministers and, uh, and civil servants. Yeah, that's really good to hear, Steve, because I think, you know, as we've talked, you've sort of alluded to there, um, you know, it's been very topical at the moment, um, both in the national and regional and local media. Um, and, you know, obviously residents make it, making their feelings um, quite strongly felt. Um, so it's good to hear that these are the sort of angles that are being explored. And if there's any way that, you know, local councils can actually help to push that agenda forward, that's that's really good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And it's worth pointing out, we've actually got two questions in relation to this coming up shortly yeah. that Gabrielle's going to be putting to Steve. But before we do that, Steve, let's just get your thoughts on the cost of living crisis. It continues to be an issue for many of our of our residents. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on perhaps how we approach that as an organisation and what we can do in our communities around this particular problem right now? The cost of living crisis is, is, is dreadful. Um, I, I, I see it every day. Um, I feel it myself. Uh, you know the the cost of petrol, the cost of uh, energy, the cost of food. Uh, things don't go up in pennies; they go up in ten pence or fifty pence or a pound a time. And um, and the situation doesn't seem to be getting any better, and probably will get worse before it gets better. But as a council, we've been uh, as supportive as we can be within the limits that we've got. Uh, we've had the the help schemes that the government have, um, have have implemented. We've distributed significant amount of money, and I think we were once again one of the first councils to to implement the scheme in the same way that we did with COVID uh, support. You're talking about the energy rebate, which people got 150 the 150 pounds pound rebate, there, yes, yeah. uh, and also the the later schemes which uh, which are, are coming in. Uh, for particular groups of people. So we're doing everything we can there. Okay, so now we move on to the time for your questions. And thanks to those of you who sent us some questions for the leader. Our first one is um, Richard from Scarborough. There is a lot of disquiet among some businesses about what they see as an imposition of a business improvement district um, on the Yorkshire coast. Um, and I understand there's going to be a vote on whether this continues. Um, what's your view, Steve, on this issue, please? Well, the business improvement district, or BID, uh, which has now been around, I think, about three years or just over, um, is a scheme that is designed to... Uh, ask businesses to put a small amount of money each into a pot, which is then used to improve the area around their businesses. Um, it's administered by a private organisation. It's nothing to do with the council. 
uh, although we do administer it in the sense that we collect the money on their behalf because they're not allowed to do so by law. Um, personally, uh, I'm, I think the problem with, with the bid in this area is it covers too big an area. The ones I've seen that are successful tend to be located around single towns or cities. So, for example, York has one which seems to work really well. Uh, and I have some sympathy for the people who operate the bidding. They are trying to spread uh, their work right down the coast. So from above Whitby all the way down through almost to Sperm Point, it's, uh, it's a huge area and covers not just Scarborough Borough Council, but East Riding Council as well. Um, I, I do have sympathy for people who who are worried about having to pay another bill, businesses that are having to pay another bill. Um, but I have to say to them that the council has no powers to, to end the bid. We do not have those powers. There, there are lots of stories going around that we can close it down and so on. And I know that some councillors have decided that they want to have an extraordinary meeting, which I think takes place in a couple of weeks' time. And, and quite rightly, we've, we've agreed to do that, to people to, to make their views known. Uh, but we cannot close the bid down. So the point you're making about um, a vote to stop the bid is just not going to happen. Uh, so what we can do is give people the opportunity to have their say. The bid lasts for five years, so we're, we're almost within the last sort of 18 months of it. And whether it... Whether it continues it is up to people to consider at that time. Um, so I've got sympathy with people. It's another bill on top of every other bill that we've all got. Uh, but there is nothing the council can do. And I think I have to stress that really strongly. Uh, as, as much as I'd like to think that we could make some changes to improve things, uh, we're not in a position to do that. We are not part of the bid. Thank you, Steve. And I hope that clears that up for you, Richard. Um, and now moving on to a question from Linda from Whitby. Um, what is happening with our beloved cliff lift in Whitby, which is out of use again? Uh, this question came up at the last full council meeting and and it's, it's almost the same answer with, um, with Scarborough Spa cliff lift. Um, those two lifts uh, are both around about 150 years old, I think. Yes, they're, they're not young, are they? They're not young, no. Um, so they, they both work differently. The one in Scarborough is a, is a funicular that goes up and down, those people who don't know it, goes up and down the cliffside at roughly 45 degrees on rails. Uh, but the one in Whitby is, is almost like a traditional lift shaft that goes down through the cliff and then you come out in a tunnel at the bottom. Quite... Scary when you when you go in it, really. Um, they're both suffering from old age, and uh, and like everyone in old age, their joints start creaking and uh, they need bits replacing. <laughs> and uh, and I I think that um, because of the weather and the, the water ingress that they get, I I've actually I had the opportunity a few weeks ago to go into the lift motor room at Scarborough Spa lift and you can see for yourself that it, the the steel girders are all delaminating and and crumbling and um what they've done over the years is they've 
cleaned them up, patched them up, put patches on them, and uh, and and got them going again. Now, twice a year, we have uh, we have insurance, obviously, on the lift in case anything really untoward happened, um, and the insurance company come along and do an inspection of them. And last time they expected both of them and said, you need to do some more major work on them. And this is in spite of us doing work every year and spending quite a lot of money on them. I would stress that there's absolutely no way, certainly uh, while I'm leader, that those lifts will will be taken out of, out of action. Uh, I, I, I want to stress that and make sure that people understand we're doing all we can to get them back into operation again. They're part of our heritage. They're part of the the fabric of of the of the borough. But they need a lot of work doing. And the one in Whitby, which uh, which uh, Linda has, has mentioned, is particularly problematic because although we can repair the uh, the metalwork, the the problem is that there's a lot of moist air and damp in the lift shaft salt air as and well isn't salty, it we, yes. we also so it really causes a problem so so the experts have now come up with a plan which to say will help which is to put uh, a much better ventilation system in there to keep the air moving and keep it cool i mean i guess it's not a problem today but but normally it's quite damp and wet and drippy and in in, mm -hmm. in there so um we're working on that at the moment the, the Scarborough lift, we hope to have opened shortly. The Whitby one, I'm afraid, is unlikely to open this year because of the amount of work that we're doing. But in both cases, we have, um, we have temporary arrangements with bus companies to provide help for people to get up and down, mm -hmm. particularly when there's events on and so on. Uh, but we're doing what we can to, to help in that respect. Excellent. Thanks, Steve. And I'm sure we'll bring you um, updates in, in future podcasts um, or potentially also in our, our residence news newsletter if you do subscribe to that. Um, we'll now move on to our next question, which again um, is from Whitby, and this is from Chris. What is the council going to do as a result of the parish poll in Whitby, which found in favour of no more second homes in the town? And of course, you, you touched on this earlier, Steve, but I, I didn't know whether you wanted to expand a little bit more. I welcome the, the interest that the parish poll has created. I think that it, it's important that people's voices are heard and, uh, and I, and I would, would support uh, them doing that. And I think that, as I explained earlier, we, we need legislation to actually make those changes. It's not something that is within our power to do. So there is, there is nothing to stop anybody opening an Airbnb um, sub subject to if, if planning stops it for some reason but but that's quite rare normally people who have a property can open it as an Airbnb and you can understand why given Covid and staycations and and the price that people are able to charge for for this accommodation you can understand why it's become attractive whether that will remain in the future mm. when hopefully things get back to normal I don't know, maybe, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But I think that it is important, as I, as I explained earlier, that we try and get um, some kind of licensing scheme up and running for, um, for Airbnbs and similar properties. And then that gives the council some control over 
where is appropriate to put one and where isn't. Because you get lots of problems. It, it's, it's not just housing. It's not just people or local people not being able to rent properties. It's problems with parking in streets. It's problems with noise and antisocial behaviour. People coming for the weekend and thinking they can really whoop it up where next door somebody's trying to get to sleep to get to work the next morning. Of course. It's all those things and, and we recognise them. And I'm doing all I can to lobby, to lobby government to uh, encourage them to put something in place. Um, but without getting too political about it, which I try not to do in these podcasts, uh, they're rather busy at the moment uh, doing a bit of navel-gazing. So um, <laughs> I think that uh, maybe when they've got themselves sorted out, we can try again and see whether, whether it's something that we can push up the agenda and get sorted. And definitely, because probably, as, well, as we know, it's not just an issue for Scarborough Borough as well. And there are other oh, parts of the country no, who it, also struggle with It's all over the country. This. And, you know, mm -hmm. we've seen... Actually, we've seen examples in Cornwall where they have done uh, certain things uh, to try and improve it. And uh, I think it's somewhere St Ives, around St Ives, where they've managed to create a scheme. I don't know exactly how they did that because the legislation's not there. But... Um, that's backfired on them and, and they've ended up with more problems, uh, particularly for people who are trying to rent and pushing the prices of property up than they anticipated. So it's not a knee-jerk reaction we need yeah. here. It needs to be carefully thought through and planned properly and let's look at what, what the consequences might be if we, if we do it. Yeah, because it's got to be appropriate for, for our borough and it's got to be able to work and, yeah, and meet, obviously, you know, lots of needs. It does. So we now move on to our next question um, from Susan, who says she lives on the Yorkshire coast. Hello to Susan, if you're listening. Um, does Mr Siddons endorse the county council's plan to force second homeowners to pay a premium on their council tax? Straight answer, no, I don't. Uh, I, I think it's ill thought out. Uh, I don't think it's really going to change anything. When people are renting out their properties at £150, £200 a night, I'm not sure doubling the council tax is really going to make that much difference to those businesses. I go back to the point I, I made for the earlier question, which is if we had a proper licensing scheme, then we could, we could monitor and measure the number of properties that there are, put some criteria down so that everyone understands what that criteria is and, and operate within those boundaries. Simply adding cost to it, is not really helping anybody, I don't think. And, and frankly, so many people, as, as, as many people know, don't actually pay council tax when they have, uh, when they have holiday homes. They, they, they fall into that category of, uh, of low business rate, which, which means they don't pay anything. Uh, and that's another anomaly that really needs stopping. And now on to our final question, which is Luke from Scarborough. When the Borough Council ends, will Scarborough get a town council? Well, that's for the people of Scarborough to decide. The county council, who are the shadow authority for the new unitary council, which comes into force in 1st of April next year, have indicated that they want to do a consultation on that. Assuming that they do, and I think they probably will agree to it, both Harrogate and Scarborough, who are the only areas that are not parished at the moment in North Yorkshire, they will get the opportunity to consult with the public 
on whether they want a town council. It's a bit of a double-edged sword, is this one, because it will mean that there's extra cost on your council tax bill because every parish area has a precept and they are set by the parish council or the town council in that area. On the other hand, you won't have as much representation if you don't have one. Uh, as things stand at the moment, there are only 15 councillors who cover the whole of the area of Scarborough Borough Council as it sits at the moment, as opposed to 46 in the present system. So each of those councillors has got a much bigger area, much more people to represent than they did before. So people need to be mindful of that, that there's only so much those councillors can do. And, and I know from, from my experience as a, as a ward councillor, you, you constantly get lots of queries from people, mainly low-level stuff, but things that are, are important to people that are causing them problems and so on. And they take time to resolve. So if you've got three times as many people to actually assist, then something's got to give somewhere. So I would say to people, think very carefully about how you vote when it actually comes to a vote because I believe there will be a vote uh, in the end and um, and you'll have to balance the additional cost which, which in the scheme of things for council tax is probably not that great you know maybe a hundred pounds a year something like that um, think carefully about it because representation is important and uh, and if you don't have that representation you'll find it very difficult to get things done it's okay when your life is running along smoothly, but when you hit a problem, you need some help from somewhere, and councillors are often your first port of call. They've got access to things that maybe you find more difficult, and you need their help and support. So having, having that extra layer is, um, is helpful. The alternative, of course, would have been to leave Scarborough Council as it is, but that's... That, that's a ship that's sailed, seeing as we're talking about ships and things today. Yes, it's long, long gone, that one, hasn't <laughs> it, Steve? So, well, yeah. thank you for clearing that up. Well, let's bring things to an end now, as um, those were really good, detailed questions this month, so thanks for submitting them. I've got one for you before we just round things up, though, Steve, please, which is what is your top tip for staying cool? Um, are you a 99 with flake man or a lemon top? You know, let's just get your views on how you stay cool. I'm not going to answer that specific question because I, either someone down on the seafront who sells one or the other of those things <laughs> might feel I'm being biased. I think, I think you've just got to be sensible. Keep out of the sun. Uh, I, I think that on the coast, and, and as things stand at the moment, it's definitely quite a few degrees cooler here than, uh, than it is inland. So I'm pleased that I'm on the coast, but I'm pleased I'm, I'm in Scarborough and, and the, this neck of the woods for lots and lots of reasons not just the slightly cooler weather today thank you good politicians answer there gabriel oh, don't you think so yes. yeah, diverted that quite nicely okay well let's round things up so before we go quickly look ahead to next month's edition like this episode steve will be back taking your questions as part of these podcasts so if you have a burning question or query please send it along with your name and where you live to podcasts 
at scarborough.gov.uk. And if you've missed a previous episode, you can go to scarborough.gov.uk forward slash podcasts where you can download or stream all our content. We'll also discuss the devolution deal in a bit more detail because we should have some more information by the time we record our August podcast. In the meantime, thank you for listening. From Gabrielle. Goodbye. And from Steve. Goodbye. And from me, Andy. Goodbye. For more news and information about the services we provide, visit scarborough.gov.uk. (laughs) 